Hey there, here's a fun headline that Trump uh, could put himself in jail before a prosecutor does. Uh, extremely volatile situation. This is MSNBC posted one day ago. ago. One day after his latest arraignment, Donald Trump is making quite clear that he is counting on the Supreme Court to protect him from his multiple criminal indictments. Trump called on the justices to, quote, intercede in the 2024 presidential race because of what he is calling election interference. Trump argues that the 78 criminal charges filed against him by multiple prosecutors in separate jurisdictions, that those are all somehow part of a singular deep state plot, a theory that may be rooted in panic or political strategy or both. Joining me now is someone who is very familiar with Trump's defense and delay tactics, former Manhattan DA Cy Vance. He spent years investigating Trump and his family, along, of course, with his successor, Alvin Bragg, who, as we know, issued Trump's first federal criminal indictment back in April. Mr. Vance, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. Um, let's just, good evening. Uh, first, your thoughts on this notion. Trump is calling this election interference and suggesting the Supreme Court needs to intervene. Do you think it's going to get to that point? No. I think ultimately, of course, uh, Trump will to. take whatever convictions may occur against no, him to gonna, the Supreme Court on appeal. No, he's going to choke on a cheeseburger first. litigated twice against Trump in the Supreme Court. Uh, ultimately, we're successful in the Supreme Court concluding that the president had to abide to the laws like everybody else and had to turn over his tax returns, which formed the basis for our indictment of, of his business and his, and his chief financial officer. But the Supreme Court was differently constituted uh, even as recently as two or three years ago. The Supreme Court today, I think, is much more likely to be favorable to some of the arguments in some of the cases that Trump may take up in the Supreme Court. The Manhattan case, for example, I think there are going to be somewhat novel issues of law as to whether a federal law can be used to bump up a uh, state misdemeanor to a felony. That's that's something that I see, could see the Supreme Court uh, deciding against the prosecutor. I think in the other cases, the conduct uh, is so much clearly aligned with the charges, particularly in the most recent indictment, that I think even with the Supreme Court, uh, Donald Trump is not necessarily going to find a, uh, a safe haven. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that. I mean, I think a lot of folks looked at that Alvin Bragg indictment and thought there might be some concerns here. But given the court's record, just on other rulings vis-a-vis -vis the House's investigation to January 6th, it almost seems like, yeah, John Roberts is, is not necessarily on, on Trump, or at least the conservative justices are not necessarily on Trump's side on a lot of privilege concerns that are sure to come back up in the, in the federal indictment uh, regarding his actions in and around January 6th. Well, in our case, um, really, when you look at it, the, the court was nine to zero uh, against Trump's claim of privilege. Uh, uh, there were subtleties which divided the opinions, but on the issue of whether or not he was essentially immune from investigation uh, for his conduct as a private citizen, even while he was president, the Supreme Court was was clear and unanimous. We do have a different Supreme Court. Uh, I, I think that is you know, that needs to be calibrated into the thinking of, of, of all the litigants. But I do think, listening to your prior uh, your prior panelists, we are in dangerous times. Uh, this is a time where 
judges particularly are going to be faced with how to manage a defendant who is a former president who will push them to the edge. Uh, ultimately, I think the control of Donald Trump in the next 18 months is going to lie in the hands of the courts. They're going to be reluctant to jail him for violating court orders for fear that will perhaps cause uh, uh, riots as they might some other litigant. Uh, so, but they're going to have to find a way uh, to respect the authority of the court in the process, which is which is critical to what happens in the next 18 months, uh, and hopefully without uh, exploding this already volatile situation into something that is unmanageable. Yeah, I, I, I think that that's such a wise assessment that it's really going to be in great part in the hands of the court. I wonder, given the judge's cautions that, uh, to the Trump during his arraignment, do you think he's already violated some of the terms uh, of his bail? Uh, yesterday, or I guess it was today, he, he posted, if you go after me, I'm coming after you. He's on the stump right now, or just finished being on the stump in Alabama, calling prosecutors, you know, deranged and all other manner of names. I mean, does this count as a violation of, of the terms of his bail agreement? Well, I'm sure that the court and their court law clerks are sitting around tonight asking that very same question. Uh, and in some sense, uh, the courts are going to give him uh, leeway uh, because they are going to respect his First Amendment rights as far as they go. But I think that um, quite honestly, there were things that uh, Trump said with regard to Alvin Bragg that I thought uh, would be a trigger for the court to impose severe sanctions. Uh, how severe is really up to the court? But I, I think he's crossed the line. Uh, the question is, the courts are dealing with a very volatile situation. They have to balance their authority uh, and control of their courtroom with a, with a unprecedentedly, extremely volatile situation which requires them to be not just judges, but readers of the community and the community reaction. Yeah, it's a very difficult position to be in, to say the least. Um, Mr. Vance, you know, given your former uh, position as as, uh, as a former DA, I wonder what you think about the order of operations here. We're awaiting a potential indictment from Fulton County DA Fonnie Willis. There are, as you are well aware, several indictments floating around here. What should be the order of operations, and what do you expect in terms of whether the federal case goes before any of the state cases? Well... I, early on in my investigation of the Trump Organization, deferred to the federal prosecutor for, for literally a year. I think it was mistaken for me to do that because ultimately the Justice Department walked away from its investigation, uh, but, it, but I thought it was the right move at the time. Alvin Bragg, as I apparently has indicated that he would agree to uh, uh, Jack Smith's case going first, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think prosecutors need to uh, work with each other, as courts need to work with each other, particularly when we have overlapping uh, multiple judicial schedules that need to be to be managed. Uh, I think uh, Ms. Willis, uh, I, my, my expectation is, uh, because her case was indicted last, uh, if it is indicted, then it will go last. But really, I think the question is going to be, is, is, is D.A. Bragg going to give uh, Prosecutor Smith the opportunity to proceed forward. Will he be okay with that? My sense is he will, because I think my sense is D.A. Bragg recognizes, though, although he has great confidence in, in his case, uh, that the the federal case really is uh, the most important case in the country right now that needs to be managed with 
as little outside distraction as uh, as can be achieved. Yeah, I mean, I would go so far as to say one of the most important cases of my lifetime. Former Man Manhattan DA Cy Vance, I'm so deeply appreciative of your time and thoughts tonight, sir. Thanks for thanks for spending some time with me on this Friday night. Thank you, Alex. Great to be here. criminal charges filed against him by multiple prosecutors in separate jurisdictions that those are all somehow part of a singular deep state plot a theory that may be rooted in panic or political strategy or both joining me now is someone who's very familiar with trump's defense and delay tactics former manhattan da cy vance he spent years investigating trump and his family along of course with his successor alvin bragg who as we know issued trump's first federal criminal indictment back in april mr vance thank you so much for being here i appreciate it um good, just, good evening uh first your thoughts on this notion Trump is calling this election interference and suggesting the Supreme Court needs to intervene. Do you think it's going to get to that point? I think ultimately, of course, uh, Trump will take whatever convictions may occur against him to the Supreme Court on appeal. Uh, we litigated twice against Trump in the Supreme Court. Uh, ultimately, were successful in the Supreme Court, concluding that the president had to abide to the laws like everybody else and had to turn over his tax returns, which formed the basis for our indictment of, of his business and his, and his chief financial officer. But the Supreme Court was differently constituted, uh, even as recently as two or three years ago. The Supreme Court today, I think, is much more likely to be favorable to some of the arguments in some of the cases that Trump may take up to the Supreme Court. In the Manhattan case, for example, I think there are going to be somewhat novel issues of law as to whether a federal law can be used to bump up a uh, state misdemeanor to a felony. That's that's something that I could see the Supreme Court uh, deciding against the prosecutor. I think in the other cases, the conduct uh, is so much clearly aligned with the charges, particularly in the most recent indictment, that I think even with the Supreme Court, uh, Donald Trump is not necessarily going to find a, uh, a safe haven. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that. I mean, I think a lot of folks looked at that Alvin Bragg indictment and thought there might be some concerns here. But given the court's record, just on other rulings vis-a-vis -vis the House's investigation into January 6th, it almost seems like, yeah, John Roberts is, is not necessarily on, on Trump, or at least the conservative justices are not necessarily on Trump's side on a lot of privilege concerns that are sure to come back up in the, in the federal indictment uh, regarding his actions in and around January 6th. Well, in our case, um, really, when you look at it, the, the court was nine to zero uh, against Trump's claim of privilege. Uh, uh, there were subtleties which divided the opinions, but on the issue of whether or not he was essentially immune from investigation uh, for his conduct as a private citizen, even when he was president, the Supreme Court was was clear and unanimous. We do have a different Supreme Court. Uh, I, I think that is you know, that needs to be calibrated into the thinking of, of, of all the litigants. But I do think, listening to your prior uh, your prior panelists, we are in dangerous times. Uh, this is a time where judges, particularly, are going to be faced with how to manage a defendant who is a former president who will push them to the edge. Uh, ultimately, I think 
that control of Donald Trump in the next 18 months is going to lie in the hands of the courts. They're going to be reluctant to jail him for violating court orders for fear that will perhaps cause uh, uh, riots, as they might some other litigant. Uh, But they're going to have to find a way uh, to respect the authority of the court in the process, which is which is critical to what happens in the next 18 months, uh, and hopefully without uh, exploding this already volatile situation into something that is unmanageable. Yeah, I, I, I think that that's such a wise assessment that it's really going to be in great part in the hands of the court. I wonder, given the judge's cautions that, uh, to the Trump during his arraignment, do you think he's already violated some of the terms uh, of his bail? Uh, yesterday, or I guess it was today, he, he posted, if you go after me, I'm coming after you. He's on the stump right now or just finished being on the stump in Alabama calling prosecutors, you know, deranged and all other manner of names. I mean, does this count as a violation of of the terms of his bail agreement? Well, I'm sure that the court and their court law clerks are sitting around tonight asking that very same question. Uh, And in some sense, uh, the courts are going to give him uh, leeway uh, because they are going to respect his First Amendment rights as far as they go. But I think that Um, Quite honestly, there were things that uh, Trump said with regard to Alvin Bragg that I thought uh, would be a trigger for the court to impose severe sanctions. Uh, How severe is really up to the court, but I I think he's crossed the line. Uh, The question is, the courts are dealing with a very volatile situation. They have to balance their authority uh, and control of their courtroom with with a unprecedentedly extremely volatile situation which requires them to be not just judges but readers of the community and the community reaction yeah it's a very difficult position to be in to say the least um mr vance you know given your former uh position as as uh, as a former da i wonder what you think about the order of operations here we're awaiting a potential indictment from fulton county da fonnie willis there are as you are well aware several indictments floating around here what should be the order of operations and what do you expect in terms of whether the federal case goes before any of the state cases well I, early on in my investigation of the Trump Organization, deferred to the federal prosecutor for for literally a year. I think it was mistaken for me to do that because ultimately the Justice Department walked away from its investigation, uh, but but I thought it was the right move at the time. Alvin Bragg, as I apparently has indicated that he would agree to uh, uh, Jack Smith's case going first, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think prosecutors need to uh, work with each other as courts need to work with each other, particularly when we have overlapping uh, multiple judicial schedules that need to be be managed. Uh, I think uh, Ms. Willis, uh, my my expectation is uh, because her case was indicted last, uh, if it is indicted, then it will go last. But really, I think the question is going to be, is is DA Bragg going to give uh, Prosecutor Smith the opportunity to proceed forward. Will he be okay with that? My sense is he will, because I think my sense is DA Bragg recognizes, though, although he has great confidence in, the, in his case, uh, that the the federal case really is uh, the most important case in the country right now that needs to be managed with 
as little outside distraction as uh, as can be achieved. Yeah, I mean, I would go so far as to say one of the most important cases of my lifetime. Former Man Manhattan DA Cy Vance, I'm so deeply appreciative of your time and thoughts tonight, sir. Thanks for thanks for spending some time with me on this Friday night. Thank you, Alex. Great to be here. charging slowly? This is the fastest phone charger on the market. There's a 90% chance your phone is already infected with this. There's a new groundbreaking discovery that's reversing planned obsolescence. And smartphone companies are... Okay. No weekend order, new weekend order, no delays. This is Michael Popak, Legal AF. Helen of Troy was famously called the face that launched a thousand ships. Donald Trump with one social media post attacking Jack Smith and the prosecutors and all prosecutors in the case launched at least five different federal filings, two federal court orders ultimately against him. Uh, on the issue of whether a protective order should immediately be issued in the new case that Jack Smith has brought, the Jan 6th interference case before Judge Tanya Chutkin. One social media post that all is, is all it took. Now look, we predicted on Legal AF and otherwise that procedurally the government would soon, after the arraignment, be asking for a protective order to be put in place, just as they did in the Mar-a-Lago Mar case, so they could start dumping all of the data, information, witness transcripts, and other evidence that they've accumulated on Donald Trump's defense side ASAP. Because the government will never be accused of dragging their feet when it comes to providing documents and information to Donald Trump and the other side, because they want to get this case to trial as soon as possible. And the only way you can do that if you're the government is that you come to the court with completely clean hands on the 28th of August when the judge is going to hear argument about setting a trial in the new case, Judge Tanya Chutkin. And the only way you can do that is to dump, bring a dump truck, bring sheds of information and documents and give them to the other side so they can't argue that they haven't had at least the first opportunity to look at information in this uh, four different uh, criminal count indictment against Donald Trump. So government's ready. Every time, remember, when Jack Smith brings an indictment, that's because he's ready right behind it, right, to back up the truck and dump Donald Trump uh, with everything that he needs in order to defend himself in the case. They are ready. The government is ready. Donald Trump, after he's done with the arraignment, mumbling his, his name and he's not on drugs and how old he is, he then went about attacking prosecutors in a social media post we're going to put right up here on the screen, in which he said, you come after me, I come after you. You know, mob talk, organized crime talk. That's why prosecutors are using the RICO statute against him because he operates like a mob boss. And to anybody that suggests, like his, like his spokesperson, that he wasn't attacking the prosecutor, he made it clear right after that in the same social media posting chain when he put the fraud squad and put Jack Smith and Tisha James and Fawny Willis and Alvin Bragg all listed there as some sort of hit squad, right, that people can attack and go after. 
So it was clear what his messaging was. And the government said, you know what, we're about to file our motion for protective order anyway. Why don't we put in there as one of the grounds why the judge should not hesitate to enter a protective order, meaning that Donald Trump cannot tell the public in social media posts by his, by his spokespeople, indirectly or directly, any of the confidential and sensitive information that's contained in the discovery, the Brady material, right? The material the government has to constitutionally turn over to a defendant. None of that should be posted in public, criticized, critiqued, right? Because the government told uh, Judge Chutkin that we're going to give him, we're ready to give him witness testimony, witness transcripts, sealed search warrant material, other transcripts, other documents that have personal identifying information, including about who potential witnesses are, co-conspirators, other unindicted people that they're still going after. We don't want him commenting on that in the public. Enter the protective order, and they gave a proposed protective order. Now, they say when they filed that motion, which followed just hours after the, the social media posting I showed you. With the Fries app, you can always save big on your favorites with personalized coupons and deals, so you can spend less and get more. Download the Fries app today and get savings designed with you in mind. Fries, fresh for everyone. Wayfair has nice prices, so you can have nice no things. Kelly, we have champagne. I showed you. They also told the court, um, enter it now. We tried to negotiate with the other side. We tried to meet and confer, but they gave us some ridiculous protective order proposal, which doesn't do it, right? Would not limit Donald Trump appropriately given the circumstances. We gave them, the government said, a model of a protective order that Judge Nichols in the same court just recently used, I presume, for Steve Bannon and his trial and said, let's use this one. This one, a federal judge already approved. Let's use this one. We can live with this one. And rather than continue to go back and forth, given that the uh, defense, Trump's lawyers, took the position that we cannot meaningfully comment, meaningfully comment in the date for the trial because we don't know the volume of the material, then Jack Smith's team said, fine, enter the protective order, reach a deal with us, don't foot track, and we'll give you all the information. When it became apparent that they were foot tracking, the government filed the motion for protective order directly right off that tweet, right off that social media posting in which they, they were threatened. And in it, they say, here's the grounds, Your Honor, because this defendant has a history on social media of uh, making statements regarding judges, attorneys, and witnesses, right? And we know he's gonna do it again, you gotta stop him in this motion for protective order. The judge immediately, because like I said at the top, you know, the face that launched a thousand ships, the social media posting that launched a flurry of activity all within a 24 and 36 hour period. So we've got the social media posting, several hours later, the motion for protective orders filed. Several hours later, the judge, Judge Tanya Chutkin, enters her minute order, which we have up here, which gives the, the Trump only until Monday at 5 p.m., so basically one business day, to get together and either look at the red line, look at the proposed protective order, and give a, a proposed set of edits, we call it a red line, back to the judge, 
right? So she, so they can be heard before the judge makes the ultimate decision. Now, rather than do that and spend the several hours that it would take to do it, the Trump side decided to spend several hours preparing a five-page opposition paper asking the court for a motion for extension of time not to not to have the issue heard on Monday but give them till Thursday as as noted by the by the Department of Justice in a filing hours just hours after that the time it took them to write the five pages is probably more time than it would have been just to do the work just to comment on the protective order and 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 uh, run this thing to the ground and be done with it but no, because Donald Trump's lawyers wanted to, you know, poke a, poke a stick at the Department of Justice and say, oh, they're big and bad, they're not conferring with us, they're filing protective order motions without really having meaningful discussion with us, and they did that before, Your Honor, and with Judge Cannon, you know, this whining, 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 and Judge Cannon didn't like it, as if Judge Chutkin cares what Judge Cannon did in Florida, of all, of all people, of all fellow colleague judges, and oh, they did it there, they did it here, Judge. They they went off and, and did a Friday filing, and you know we don't like to work past uh, five o'clock on Fridays. It's the summer, Your Honor. You know whatever else they argued, and then the the Department of Justice isn't having it either. The Department of Justice said, Yeah, two hours later they filed a paper. We have a copy of it here, and they filed a paper and said exactly what I just laid out, Judge. I we don't get it. They spent an entire afternoon writing a five-page motion for extension of time to push the thing ahead 72 hours. Why didn't they just do the work as you ordered it to be done by 5 o'clock on Monday? And they also, for good measure, Trump's lawyer says, why don't we, you know, Monday's not good for us, Judge. How about Thursday? How's your Thursday look? for? A, and why don't we have a hearing? Let's have a hearing. Because delay, 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 delay. And as I predicted on Legal AF, our podcast also on the Midas Dutch Network, exactly what happened. The judge says, I'm the one wearing the black robe. I'm the one in charge of my courtroom. My order says what my order says, which is Monday by five o'clock. And the only modification she made in denying, finally, we just got the denial a minute later, right? Denying the motion for extension of time by Donald Trump. She said, you know what? Here's the order, denied. You spend the time, you want to spend the time between now and Monday at 5 o'clock or even after Monday at 5 o'clock consulting with the government and making comments on your uh, on the um, protective order? Go ahead. You want to follow something else on Monday? You can do that too. You have till Monday at 5 o'clock. And I'll decide then, me, federal judge, district judge, Tanya Chutkin, not you, lawyers for Donald Trump, I'll decide whether I need a hearing or not. I don't see it at the moment, but let's see what happens after I see whatever it is you're going to file on Monday. The ball is now in your court. I'm summarizing the order, but that's what happened. All of what I just described, right, from the social media posting to the government's motion for protective order to the court's ruling on the motion for protective order setting the Monday deadline to Trump's five-page opposition and motion for extension of time till Thursday to the to the uh, federal government's response to that and the judge's order denying the motion for extension of time and sticking to her guns on Monday's deadline. All those six things happened in a 24-hour period. Who says justice doesn't move swiftly? Who says justice, the wheels of justice turn slowly? Not in Judge Tanya Chutkin's courtroom. And, and as I said on Legal AF, the podcast that I co-anchor on the Midas Dutch Network, this was going to be a test for Tanya Chutkin, the judge. 
about letting everybody know who's in charge and, and letting her know that she's not, she's the anti-Eileen uh, Cannon down in Florida, that judge. She has a firm grasp on the tiller. She has a firm grasp and control and command of her courtroom, her courtroom procedures, and what she wants. And she's not going to sit there idly by to have a couple of lawyers for Donald Trump being paid by the Save America PAC tell her how to run her courtroom procedurally. She's going to make that ruling. So I like it because it draws that line in the sand early on about how she's going to run the rocket docket that is her courtroom. And, and I think that bodes terribly, terribly for Donald Trump. Because when the next major event after this protective order gets issued, and there will be a protective order issued, including with, I'm sure, edits and changes by the federal judge, which is going to effectively gag Donald Trump from commenting at all and reviewing at all without having be, be babysat by his lawyers, this discovery material produced by the government. And it's going to be a lot. It's going to be a hundred terabytes of information, I'm sure. And they're going to go complaining about that. Oh, we just got a hundred terabytes of information. Judge, it's the equivalent of 16 tractor trailers. If you stacked it, uh, you know, end to end, it would halfway reach to the moon. You can, you can already anticipate the filing that's going to be made by John Loro and Todd Blanche to say that they need two and a half years before they can even try this case, while the judge nods her head patiently and says, yeah, we're not doing that. This case is going to trial under the Speedy Trial Act before the election, because it's important to democracy that that happens. Those are the future steps we're going to follow, only in one place, the Midas Touch Network, free subscribe to the YouTube channel. And then if you want to follow and kind of keep track of news and, and happenings at that intersection of law and politics, Go to the new website they just launched, the MidasTouch.com website. Everything's there. The News, articles, touch. our podcast, the hot takes, T-shirts, you name it. <laughs> we got it. It's all for free on the MidasTouch.com website. And if you like what I'm doing, go over to YouTube again, awesome. Midas Touch. Free subscribe. Yeah, I do. Awesome job, Lord Michael. Put him on house arrest and take away his social media. Exclamation point. And when he... Exclamation point. Put him under house arrest. Since they have to give him preference.
Put him in where it violates that. Put him in fucking jail. He thinks the courts are afraid to lock him up. his exclamation point side vans Everybody I think his power Okay, so Cy Vance just told MSNBC that, that he thinks the courts are afraid to lock up Trump because it might cause riots. I think that would not happen. I think putting him in jail would finally break the spell because he cannot be the center of attention when he's behind bars. I think his, uh, his influence is, is uh, overstated. Exclamation point. He that we all think he is more. And narrative, even though it is insane. And nobody's doing anything about that.
He didn't get the electric chair. Christopher Press. Trump for prison. I think his influence and power is overstated. He's such a con man that we have bought his story even though it is insane. He is criminally insane and nobody is doing anything about that. Where's the psychiatric evaluation? He should be taken away and put in a home for the criminally insane. And consider himself lucky he didn't get the electric chair. Okay, I'm gonna tweet that for Miss Popak. Message for Ms. Popak. CC. Bonnie Willis. Manhattan DA. Tish James. Mary Trump. Mary L. It's Mary L. Trump. L. Trump. Midas Touch. Touch Network Glenn Kirshner KFA Legal Ride Not Ready for Supreme Court Justice Issues Dangerous Statement. The fact that the Chinese government can force the general manager of a Supreme Court to walk back comment. Take a Supreme Court, period. What do you think he is? Something that you and your Democratic colleagues uh, are working on in the Senate, and that is uh, a code of conduct for the Supreme Court. I mean, this is something you introduce uh, regularly, but we did get a response this week from Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito, and he said, quote, I know this is a controversial view, but I'm willing to say it. No provision in the Constitution gives them, meaning Congress, the authority to regulate the Supreme Court, period. What do you think he is saying there, and what is your response? First of all, it's just stunningly wrong. It, and, and he 
um, should know that more than anyone else because his seat on the Supreme Court exists only because of an act passed by Congress. It's Congress that establishes the number of justices on the Supreme Court. It is Congress that has passed in the past requirements for justices to disclose certain information. Um, and so it is just wrong on the facts to say that Congress doesn't have anything to do with the rules guiding the Supreme Court. In fact, from the very beginning, Congress has set those rules. But it is even more disturbing that Alito feels the need to insert himself into a congressional debate. And it is just uh, more evidence that these justices on the Supreme Court, these Got conservative justices, high. just see themselves as politicians. They just see themselves as a second legislative body that has just as much power and right to impose their political will on the country as Congress does. They're going to bend the law in order to impose their right. made such an arrogant statement because he is bluffing the Supreme Court justices, the right-wing nuts on the Supreme Court, they have a lot to hide. ...view of how the country should work on the rest of us, um, and it's why we need to pass this common-sense ethics legislation to at least make sure we know that these guys aren't in bed at seat on the Supreme Court exists only because of an act passed by Congress. It was Congress that establishes the number of justices on the Supreme Court. It is Congress that has passed in the past requirements for justices to disclose certain information. Um, and so it is just wrong on the facts to say that Congress doesn't have anything to do with the rules guiding the Supreme Court. In fact, from the very beginning, Congress has set those rules. But it is even more disturbing that Alito feels the need to insert himself into a congressional debate. And it is just uh, more evidence that these justices on the Supreme Court, these conservative justices, just see themselves as politicians. They just see themselves as a second legislative body that has just as much power and right to impose their political will on the country as Congress does. They're going to bend the law in order to impose their right-wing view of how the country should work on the rest of us. Um, and it's why we need to pass this common-sense ethics legislation to at least make sure we know that these guys aren't in bed having their lifestyles paid for by conservative donors, as we have unfortunately seen uh, in these latest revelations. This is Michael Popak, Legal AF. That video sets up the battle royale between the Supreme Court, Sam Alito, and the Senate Democrats over whether we are finally, once and for all, going to have a U.S. Supreme Court that adheres to a code of conduct, a code of ethics, mandatory disqualification, the disclosure of uh, financial interrelationships and entanglements between parties before the court and judges sitting up on that bench. Are we going to have that or are we not? Are we a country of law or of men? Which is it? It can't be both. And this constant um, ridiculous struggle where the Supreme Court says, 
Uh, we're, we're above ethics. We're above codes of responsibility. Really? I mean, last I looked, you're people, human beings that put on your pants one at a time, and you're given the highest honor in the country, uh, being confirmed to be at one of nine U.S. Supreme Court justices for a lifetime appointment. You don't think that comes along with responsibility? Uh, certainly Chris Murphy does, and Chris Murphy's just schooled Judge Alito and told him, I don't know what you're talking about, It is that he's flabbergasted by two things. One, the fact that Alito who's supposed to be part of the judicial branch, has intervened in the world of politics and is effectively lobbying Congress and getting in the middle of the legislative branch. Separation of powers, co-equal branches occupying their own spheres. You're not supposed to color outside the lines and do it so blatantly and transparently. It's the only thing transparent about Sam Alito is his transparent lobbying politically because he's trying to tell uh, his bosses in Congress, because they are, and Chris Murphy just told them why, um, that he's above the law, that he's, abo he's above ethics, and he's above um, transparency when it comes to his financial entanglements with right-wing people. So you saw how we got there. That was Chris Murphy today, um, or a Sunday morning talk show, responding to Sam Alito, but the Wall Street Journal article was from a couple of days ago. And that article, written by uh, Paul Rifkin and James Tarante, is entitled Samuel Alito, the Supreme Court's a plain-spoken defender. That was the title of the article. And buried in the article, which was a four-hour interview that Sam Alito gave, you know, it was like a very fawning puff piece put out by the Wall Street Journal, four hours calling Sam Alito at one point an important justice with a distinctive uh, st interpretive style. That's one way of putting it. Uh, but during that interview, he said, and I quote, and you can hear in Chris Murphy's video that I played, that uh, he says, I know this is a controversial thing to say, but Congress, nowhere in the Constitution, no, there's no provision of the Constitution that gives Congress the authority to regulate the Supreme Court, period. Meaning, back off, you don't have the right or the ability to impose a code of conduct or code of ethics on the Supreme Court. And you heard Chris Murphy said, what are you talking about? It is Congress, it is Congress's power by which Sam Alito and the others, their seat even exists, right? That was an act of Congress, it's an act of Congress that sets the number of Supreme Court justices. It's Congress that passed and imposes uh, financial disclosure obligations on the Supreme Court. And it's Congress that controls the purse string. All the money that John Roberts is spending as the head of the, of the judiciary, the judicial branch, for all of its court system and court personnel and judges and clerks and courthouses. You ever seen some of these courthouses? These limestone buildings running three, four, five, eight hundred million dollars a piece in cities? That has to be approved through Congress. Okay? They don't have their own slush fund, not that I'm aware of, to pay for that. So to say that Congress has to back out and not have oversight over a branch for which they fund, right? just shows you the depth of immorality and really intellectual dishonesty being practiced by Sam Alito and the others. Sam Alito, who, who of course got caught up over the summer in the ethics scandal, it's not just Clarence Thomas taking millions of dollars of vacations with 
right-wing extremists and Nazi memorabilia collectors, like uh, the heir to the travel pro fortune, um, and not disclosing it or selling his property, including his family homestead and other vacation property to other right-wing MAGA people who have business in front of the court. Sam Alito did it too. He's taken Alaskan, you know, glamping, you know, glamping luxury camping trips in uh, in uh, fishing lodges that the average person would never be able to afford, paid for by, you know, the founders of the Federalist Society. You know, he's dined in private homes with people on the right-wing Christian right who have business in front of the court without disclosing it. So of course Sam Alito is hurt by it. But don't forget who Sam Alito is. He's also the one that probably leaked through his office the Dobbs decision when it was in draft form in order to ensure that it would be uh, voted in past, in, in past, right? Taking away a constitutional right for a woman to choose and have bodily autonomy. That Dobbs decision, not Sam Alito. And good on Chris Murphy and Sheldon Whitehouse for taking on the U.S. Supreme Court because if they don't do it, who's going to? You see the, you see the megalomaniacal approach by the U.S. Supreme Court. We're above it all. Really, you were just human beings when you were being confirmed and begging for the job, saying anything that would get you through the confirmation process, even things that we now know were untrue about your respect for precedent. We know you lied your way, most of you lied your way through um, the confirmation hearings that you each had. Clarence Thomas, we know what you did related to your prior sex harassment and discrimination allegations and Anita Hill. We'll leave that aside for a minute. The rest of you lied about what you would do if you were ever faced with a challenge to Roe v. Wade. And so, and you got a lifetime appointment. And then you're telling me we also can't regulate you? We can't make what you do transparent? We can't mandate how you're going to be um, disqualified? That is what Senate Bill 359 does, Sheldon Whitehouse's bill. That's what we're talking about, right? That is the Supreme Court ethics recusal and Transparency Act. And as a side note, as a side note to Chris Murphy, Senator Murphy you just heard from, he has literally introduced every year for the last 10 years a similar bill to add a code of conduct to the U.S. Supreme Court and its justices. It's gotten shot down every time. What? Hi, I'm David Hastings. At Hastings & Hastings, we are the Discount Accident of Lawyers. Let's talk about what to do after a collision. First, Call the police. If you don't have the police there Amen. and they don't do a record, stories can change. The next thing, whether whether Democrats were in control or Republicans were in control, there's Chris Murphy, you know, offering that bill. But now, with all the spotlight for all of the um, conflicts of interests and financial entanglement that we've seen, primarily on the right-wing MAGA Supreme Court, it's time for the Senate to pass. Senate Bill 359. The Democrats have the votes, they have the president waiting to sign it, and it needs to be done. And people like Sam Alito need to take their big noses and get it out of politics and lobbying. You, know, you don't see John Roberts doing that. John Roberts refused to appear in front of the Senate committee because he said it would be political and there's a separation of powers. Sam Alito said, well, I'll give him a four-hour interview with the Wall Street Journal. I'll say whatever I want. Right. And as soon as Sheldon Whitehouse pulls you in with a subpoena to the Senate committee and Chris Murphy joins, you're going to say, oh, I can't make it. Right, Sam? 
Is that right? You're going to say you're not available. Separation of powers wouldn't be appropriate. That it's not appropriate for you to get on an interview with the Wall Street Journal and have you attack Congress and their on Joe Biden to expand the courts, comma, impose term limits, three step for press, Trump for prison. trying to do for the American people, which is to have a out-of-control Supreme Court, a rogue Supreme Court, reigned in and subject to the exact same code of ethics and code of conduct that House members, senators, and every other judge in America, state or federal, is subject to. That's all we want, Supreme Court. And, you're, and I'm sorry that you think you're above it all in your ivory tower, but if you want to start rebuilding any level of credibility with the American people, that that branch of government literally has none at this point. This would be a good starting place. Don't give interviews to attack S-359, the bill in the Senate. Support it. And Justice Roberts, you lead. You be the moral leader. Do that too. We'll continue to keep your feet to the fire here on hot takes just like this one. Only on the Midas Touch Network. That's where me, Michael Popak, that's where, all, that's where I do all my work at the intersection of law and politics. Watch us on Legal AF every Wednesday and Saturday as we pull all this together, these kind of stories. We curate them at the intersection of U.S. law and politics. Follow me on all things social media at MS Popak. This is Michael Popak, Legal AF. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report? Yeah, I do, actually. Um, I do love it. Love it a lot. I'll take a they can be impeached I wanted to to um, share that on Twitter share on Twitter I'm the only presidential candidate calling for. Christopher Press, Trump for prison, Women's March. Women's Health Mag. And NWPC. National Women's 
vertical focus NWPC New York thanks for forwarding my stuff New York NWPC BH I'm at the beach if anybody asks Beecham Beecham Scotland that sounds fun AOC was right. Right there. Instant smack down to Trump. Trump not ready for Jack Smith's next checkmate move. Just take a little bit. No. This part is never easy. Hey man, no ads. But at least saving Michael Popak legal AF, we'd be remiss here on this hot take. Hot take. Yes. Michael Popak legal AF, we'd be remiss here on this hot take. If on the day of Donald Trump's surrender, arrest, and arraignment for the new indictment by Jack Smith in Washington, D.C., related to all things Jan 6, the interference with the election process, the counting of the electoral votes, and the peaceful transfer of power. If we didn't talk about the fact that Jack Smith's work and that of his team is not done, he did not just put himself out of business by bringing what amounts to his third indictment of Donald Trump, two Mar-a-Lago indictments, one here in the District of Columbia, anywhere as he said at his press conference Jack Smith said the work continues ongoing investigations and you'll see just as in Mar-a-Lago and uh, they'll ask the judge Tanya Chutkin they'll ask her to continue to seal aspects of the indictment and other supporting documents and enter a protective order about the the uh, Brady material the discovery material that the government is prepared to give to the defense but continue to protect names and places of potential future indicted people. That indicates to me and to others one of several things. One, the co-conspirators, of which there are six in the indictment, and they've all been identified. We start with Rudy Giuliani, John Eastman, Jeff Clark, Sidney Powell, Ken Cheeseborough, right? Attorneys all. And then lastly, another attorney, but listed as a political operative, Boris Epstein. If they don't soon cut a deal to cooperate with the federal government, Department of Justice, and tell the truth, they're going to be indicted as well in separate indictments. We imagine not in the same indictment as Donald Trump, because that led to Donald Trump's, right? The train carrying Donald Trump's indictment all the way to conviction, right? is just gonna tug him, just gonna bring him to justice. The other indictments will address the other people in their own time, in their own way, on different trial docket schedules and timelines. This way, Donald Trump gets brought to justice before the election, and the others, of course, will be brought to justice, but they're less important than getting the American people to understand that they're voting for a convicted felon, if that's the case, by the time the election rolls around 
How do we know that Jack Smith is continuing his investigation even though he's brought this new indictment? He said so in his press conference. He will ask Tanya Chutkin, the judge, Judge Chutkin today, in the next several days for a protective order to protect the identity of cooperating witnesses and those that are not cooperating and could be indicted.